Welcome to the Carcino for Life podcast, episode 22, where we get into a lot of different kind conversations about Snoop Dogg and Biggie, the Detroit Pistons. We're all over the place. <laughs> so listen, enjoy, and tell me what you think. You know, it's you know, it's for your own entertainment. Everybody out there driving, we appreciate it. Listening to our show, uh, it's all for your entertainment value, and that's pretty much it. Enjoy. And just it just wasn't coming off right. And they was like, "Man, there's something wrong with Snoop." Like even when he was rapping with Pac, he wasn't. It was like, "Man, like dude, you ain't bringing it." You know, like you was before the murder case. Before the murder case, man, people was loving Snoop. Like, man, Snoop, bro. But man, he went through that murder case, man. He just like, man, look, I don't care about none of that stuff no more, man. Look, whatever y'all did, I, y'all said y'all sorry, apologize, we good, man. That's ain't want no drama no more. But that song was old. That was after they shot up the trailer when they recorded that song, and they went and added Tupac to it later on. Like they were just punching people in. You know, you can do that. <laughs> people forget, and people act like they was all in the booth. And they just went in there and spit it. I'm like, oh, it don't work like that. Yeah, with the dad, they had a whole bunch of unreleased Tupac stuff also. Mm-hmm. He recorded a lot with dads. Like, Snoop went on a lot of them tracks. Uh, it was only when they went in there and they put them songs out with dads and all them. Dads went in there and they added Tupac to a lot of the stuff. Because Pac could go in there and record with dads and them, you know, Snoop. Snoop would have some stuff he did when he was around. Then he wasn't around like that no more. You know, he was moving different. You know, he wasn't really happy with his financial situation. Mm. Man, 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 I, I don't know where it came from. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to check it out. But I, I mean, to me, I don't think he would, in, in actuality, because he's a guy that loves attention. He want to. He want to be. Want the whole world to see him win and be out there cheering for him. So if he win the championship, let's say they send him the, the trophy in the mail, and they like he know that's gonna look bad on him. If they just go ahead and say, Lakers, y'all the champions, you know, that's going to look terrible on dude. You know what I'm saying? So, he ain't going to want that. LeBron, the thing with LeBron is that how the hell people, how the hell people put him on Mount Rushmore, but he need all this help. for LeBron. 
him, give Kobe the same amount of players you gave LeBron, how many chips you think they going to win? I'm like, <laughs> that dude will win every year. They get so sick of him winning, they be like, man, Kobe winning it every year, man. This ain't fair. <laughs> if Kobe go to eight straight NBA finals, he going to have six out of eight <laughs> championships. Ain't no way in the world he finna be like one. LeBron is like one in five in his last NBA finals. Oh, yeah. I'm like, he didn't lose like one in four or something like that. What do we see? They lost, they lost three to the Golden State Warriors. So they lost three there and they lost one to the Spurs. No, I mean, I'm talking about in his last, like, five, like, in his last final appearances that he been in the finals, he only won, if, if it wasn't for that 2016 meltdown by the Golden State Warriors, I'm like, man, if it wasn't for that, he'd have really, his whole legacy be destroyed because he had one championship against them. And they played, what, four times or three times? Five times they played. No, four times, because they, they played Toronto the last time. So they played four times, they won one series. So three losses was to Golden State, and they just came off the Spurs loss when he went back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So he lost there where it was the biggest, largest blowout in the history of the NBA. They lost to an old Spurs team where Kawhi Leonard destroyed the entire big three. He did Wade, Bosch, and Brian. They all got it. <laughs> Gave it to every single one of them. And I'm like, the largest margin in NBA Finals history. Every game he lost was about 20-some points, 30-some points. They had, man, they weren't even supposed to get on the floor. You, you know LeBron got swept. Twice, one by the Spurs and one by the State. Got swept twice. Won one game twice. I'm like, dude, you done won one game twice. And I'm like, you guys got all this talent and all this stuff. And, they, and he always cried, man, they got a super team. Can't nobody beat them boys. I'm like, well, the Houston Rockets took seven games with Kevin Durant. With Kevin Durant on the team, they went seven games. So if they went seven games and the Rockets was able to take them seven games, you mean to tell me you couldn't win one? <laughs> you couldn't win one game? Right. Hey, who you think is Which team you think was the toughest team back in the day? The Knicks or the Bad Boy Pistons? I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> I'm gonna answer your question for you right now. Hey. Let me get my piston. Get. I'm gonna answer your question for you right now. There's only one. <laughs> there is no other. The greatest team ever assembled. The greatest team that ever played in the NBA. Period. The Bad Boy Pistons. They changed the entire NBA. The NBA caught up right now. They didn't know what the Pistons was doing. The Pistons had their own private plane. They didn't fly commercial. They said, man, we ain't flying commercial no more. We buy our own plane. We didn't get no endorsements from the league. We paid for that stuff with private funding. 
paid for our own plane. We had five-star hotels. We weren't staying nowhere at the Hyatt no more. We were staying in five-star hotels, getting treated like stars. And we didn't have a championship yet. We had a plane. The Detroit Pistons were selling out 63,000 seats with no championships. They played at the Silverdome. That's where they played at in Detroit. The Silverdome, the football stadium for the Detroit Lions. They had to share the Silverdome. So when they played, 63,000 was showing up to see a game. The largest attendance in NBA history was the Detroit Pistons. They changed the game. And the play in the center shooting threes. Hall of Fame backcourt. Joe Dumas, Isaiah Thomas. There hasn't been enough. Hadn't been another Hall of Fame backcourt in like 60, 70 years. Who drafted a Hall of Fame backcourt? Nobody. Uh, hey. I'm tell you this, though. I'm trying to tell you, boy, that's the greatest team. And they, they the ones started the apparel. Bad boy gear was out selling all gear. All of them. If you didn't, they had their own gear that wasn't licensed by the NBA. See that? Bad boy. Detroit bad boy gear. That stuff was selling all in Detroit. They were wearing Raiders gear. They rebelled against the NBA and beat them. <laughs> they beat the league. That's the, that's the team. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody cared about Magic and Bird and all that. They broke that up. They said, man, we don't bust them up because we the better team anyway. We stopped Jordan, Bird, and Magic. We made the whole world witness and said, we the best team out here. We don't need no help. You trying to sabotage hey. us. Hey, you got to give Larry Bird his power. Larry Bird was giving him his hell. Of course he was. He's a real baller. That's why I rank him over George. He ranked over Michael Jordan. Because Detroit, they couldn't get past. They took them a long time to get past Boston. Yeah, because Boston's tough. I mean, they, they weren't like Boston was a bunch of punks. <laughs> they were tougher than the Lakers. Lakers were Swiss cheese. When they played the Pistons, I'm like, man, that's easy. <laughs> Well, matchup-wise, Magic can't guard Isaiah. Isaiah know that. <laughs> Magic got to guard Joe Dumas. He's a matchup flaw. He can't guard. He can't guard them point guards. He got to put Byron Scott or somebody on Isaiah, and he got to guard Joe Dumas. And that's how they beat the Lakers. They kept a three-guard rotation in there. They put Benny Johnson in. Joe Dumas, they started the three-guard rotation. It didn't exist in the NBA to the Pistons, did it? They had Benny Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, and Joe Dumas on the court at the same time and run a three-guard rotation and would destroy them. And it kept running magic and attacking magic. And that's why Joe Dumas won MVP <laughs> against them Lakers because Joe was torching him. Magic couldn't guard Joe Dumas, and what did he do? Magic going to pull himself out the game. I got a hamstring. He didn't want anything to do. He couldn't run with them three guards. He got swept. They got who? You said they got who? Yeah, they got swept. And then Portland only won one game. So in our whole finals, 
ever since we got ripped off in game six, we've been busting them up. We like, we ain't losing no more. Portland got that one game in overtime. Other than that, they'd have been swept. Isaiah Thomas holds the highest shooting percentage from the three-point perspective of any guard, anybody in NBA Finals history. He shot like, what, 70, 80% for the series from three? Yeah. Yeah, somebody I'm trying to tell you, Pistons own a lot of records, baby. Against we Portland. own a lot of them records. They try to erase us out of the history books, but they can't. We got three Hall of Fame basketball players that should have But we got three Hall of Fame basketball players. Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas. Three Hall of Famers. I should have fought. The Pistons and the Knicks is like the toughest team ever. Knicks is a bunch of, that's just some, that's a junior varsity uh, team compared to uh, the Knicks. The Knicks is a bunch of, oh, no, no, no. That's just, they don't know how to win. That was their biggest problem. They never learned how to win. They were some boneheads. They, I mean, I love John Starks and the way he played. I love Pat, but they could they stepped on their own foot and beat themselves okay. every year because when he gets down in the okay. clutch, okay. let me tell you what happened. The Knicks had opened there for a minute. They picked up, uh, they had Xavier McDaniels first before Mason got there. McDaniels good. Now, McDaniels, he the one, they almost beat the Bulls that year. Pat Riley had came over to the Knicks and got everything he wanted, control and everything else he didn't get with the Lakers. He just lost to the Pistons. He spent the whole year surveying the league on where which team he was going to go. He saw that the game was changing. The game was getting more physical. And you got to have tough guys in order to win. And the Lakers didn't have that anymore. So he knew that this game is changing and evolving. I got to get a team that's just like the Detroit Pistons. He saw Isaiah Thomas play some of the best point guard play he's ever seen in his life. And he's like, I just saw this on display and how this team mentally just destroyed and intimidated everybody. That's what I want on my team, because that's what Pat Riley was when he played. That's how he was grimy. He was like a Pat. He was like, what's his name? Kurt Rambis on, on Roy's. He, he was a beast. And that's how he was all everything he ever did. So what Riley did was survey the Knicks and try to turn the Knicks into the new Detroit Pistons. That's what he did. So when he got Xavier McDaniels, that's how they were able to beat the Pistons in our final playoff run, really, with Chuck Daly, when we went up against the Knicks and they beat us in five games. In that fifth game, when Starks and everybody, I saw the passing of the torch. They were just done. There was too much infighting in Detroit, but they should have never lost to the Knicks in that series. But it was they were young and up and coming, but they didn't possess the one key factor, they didn't have a true point guard. Mark Jackson was not a good leader because Patrick Ewan is not a good leader. Pat is good offensively, but Pat don't know how to close the games. He don't know how to get people to sell in. He's one of those, 
He's one of those uh, followed by example leaders. You need uh, somebody who could be a ring general at the point guard position, and they was always in search of that point guard that could control the floor. And it was only till they got when they got Derek Harper that they really have a point guard who could score and could run the offense. Their problem is Patrick Ewing was breaking down at that part at that point, and they Pat don't don't want to sit himself down. You know, it's like. You can't get rid of him. Did you know the Knicks could have had Shaq? Yeah, I already talked about that from before. Exactly. And Don Nelson was the coach for that one year. They fired Don Nelson because Patrick Ewan said, hey, he told Dolan, this dude tried to trade me for Shaq. Fire him. And he was fired. <laughs> and they could have had Shaq. And now Shaq wouldn't have went to the Lakers. He'd have been a Nick. They had the first opportunity to get Shaq in New York. That would have set your legacy up, and y'all would have won championships. Man, but the Knicks, the Knicks, they, 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 they shot themselves in the They lost to Houston. They lost to Houston in the finals. Lost the series. They didn't know how to win because the thing is, is that they thought they were going to show up. They were the better team than Houston. They knew. Pat Ewing and Elijah Wall were going to cross each other out. They they let a rookie come in and just do them in. Sam Cassell came up and Kenny Smith was able to get off because people started paying attention to Cassell. They were like, man, who is this guy? Where did he come from? This rookie. And he just started hitting threes. He had no fear. So Cassell comes in. Then you got Robert Ory getting loose. And they were they couldn't guard the pick and roll. They couldn't guard the speed of the Houston Rockets. Mm. What they did is when they play half court defense, they shut it down. They get physical. They just when the game's on the line, the Knicks don't have a game plan. The Pistons always have a game plan. In the last six minutes of the game, Isaiah Thomas would normally take the game over if it's in the last six minutes. If there's a big shot to take, Isaiah's going to take those. In the last six minutes, or someone's got a hot hand, Isaiah will be the one to find him. If Vinny Johnson is that guy who they bring in off the bench, Vinny will come in in the fourth quarter and probably hit them with a good 15 early on. Now, Vinny's still hot. They don't take Vinny out, they leave Vinny in the game, and then they'll go to Vinny like he won the championship. Isaiah didn't take that last shot, they gave it to Vinny because Vinny was hot. And that last three, four minutes, you gonna, you got to get the ball in his hands. Everything going in, Isaiah hit a big shot too, but pride and ego got to go out of the window. If that guy's on fire, get him the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they won the championship. They got that ball into the hottest hand on the court, the microwave. That's another thing we started. Everybody on the team had a nickname, the worm, the spider. Man, the microwave. <laughs> the microwave. Benny Johnson. Now, the greatest name in the sports history, because that was the truth. He will come in, play five minutes, and hit you with a quick 15 point. <laughs> right off the bat. That man should have had the six man year award named after him. Well, I miss them days, man. You and me both. Because I'm sitting here watching these yep. old games, these throwback games, and I'm like, man, this is, it just makes today's game look bad. <laughs> Every time I 
family, look at this. Look at that. A post move. A guy, a power forward, really playing like a power forward. All these guys like Otis Thorpe. You know what I'm saying? I'm like Thurl Bailey. I'm like, look at all these power forwards. And I'm like, man, they could play. These guys had moves. Everybody was in the post. I'm like, man, look at that. They running moves right out the post. This guy could pass in the post. You had point guards who really were point guards. I'm like, man, he could run the point. <laughs> this is beautiful. Man, man. You forget about uh, Utah. Man, man, Stockton and Malone, they were was, they was serious, too. Oh, yeah, my man Bobby Hanson. I remember I met Bobby Hanson in 1989. I think it was 89, Bobby Hanson. He came here, they playing the Bulls, and they had some type of event. Bobby Hanson was out there shooting outside, whatever. It was something like, me, Bobby Hanson. He's going to be making an appearance. Bobby Hanson hit every shot he put up. <laughs> I was like, man, out there on that, I was just shooting around. And I was like, man, this dude can shoot. Bobby Hanson. And I was like, man, he played the Bulls, man. I was like, this dude finna probably go off tonight. And sure enough, Bobby Hanson was hitting threes all over the place. <laughs> I was like, man, this Bobby Hanson can shoot. They better keep an eye on him. Uh, I was like, I'm a little young dude, man, watching Bobby Hanson. From the Utah Jazz. Well, Carl Malone was nasty, man. Yeah. Malone? Yeah, well, Malone, Malone's game has always been the same, though. Yeah, but... but like, that's like saying that, though. His, his flaw is he don't know how to close the show. That's what separated Jordan from a lot of these guys. Jordan knew how to close the show. They should have lost to in all these NBA finals. They should have lost to Phoenix. Phoenix was the better team, and they won because they had Michael Jordan. That was just it. <laughs> I mean, Portland was the better team, but they had Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, man, the, Lakers. the Lakers had no business. Being in the NBA Finals, <laughs> there was no way the Lakers should have beat Portland that year. That was the worst ripoff of a series I have seen in a long time. They jobbed Portland. Portland was the number one team basically in the entire West, and they got jobbed. Wow. They wanted to have a Magic and Michael in the NBA Finals. So. Oh, yeah, you know, it, that's business. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they, they they let Portland go back the next year because Portland was dominating. That, that was the year they had just came off of losing to Detroit. So the next year, you know, they was like fierce. And they, they were number one in the West all the way through. Played the Lakers, man. I swear, that was the worst job, cheat job I've ever seen in my life to put them in the NBA Finals, man. I'm like, James Worthy got hurt. James Worthy was out. So the Michael Jordan basically played a Laker team without their best weapon, which was James Worthy. So our Bulls fans love to try to hit me up with that. Y'all won, Byron Scott didn't play. I'm like, Byron Scott? Who gives a damn about Byron Scott? <laughs> I'm like, big game, y'all won a championship without James Worthy playing. That's big game James. <laughs> that was MVP. 
of the finals against us. So I'm like, I already know what Big James Games are going to bring to the table. Y'all want to chip without him being there. So basically, the series was over when y'all started. So I'm like, I didn't even hear that. But that was the one that they weren't going to lose that at all. But Portland, they had no business beating Portland. But they had Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Hey. When you play the game without knowing how to close it out when it's important, you know, big games, you got to know and have a strategy on how to close these games out and don't panic when the adversity and all the attention and you can see the panic hit the Portland Trailblazers. They let the bench of the Chicago Bulls, a bunch of bums, cut the lead down <laughs> and come bring them back when Michael Jordan couldn't oh. score. This is when he couldn't score. Then they brought Mike back. Well, hey, Kelsey, I got one more question. Go ahead. Boy, what's your beef with the Kylo brothers, man? Oh, man, I didn't talk about it so long. Man, them dudes, man, they, they really pissed me off because the thing is, we supported them. You know, they, when nobody talking about them, we were the only people. We got video footage. That was funny you bring that up. We were just talking about them today. Because uh, Sean was like, man, I got footage, footage of them when, when they was amateurs. You know, I got Boxing Socialist website with Sean Craddock. You know, from Houston. So, he know, he know the Charlos. He know their uncle. He know all them. They were coming up, little kids. Coming up in the amateurs. Boxing, they used to have them long dreads. And he would be the one that... Like, film them and everything. Every time they would fight, he was pulling the footage out. He been recording them and, and working with those kids since they was in the amateurs. Trying to come up as boxers. And he was supportive. He was all supportive and rooting for them. Uh, we even got Samaje down there to work with them. Ronnie Shields, the same trainer. Samaje Thomas from Chicago was training with Ronnie Shields down there. So, they rolled with him. And they were cool with him. So, we had no problems with it. So everybody else had bad things to say about him. And one fighter had said off the record that he thought Jamal was the one that had more dog. He didn't really see that in Jamal, you know, but he saw it in Jamal. He was like, you know, I just think Jamal got a little bit more dog in him than, than Jamal. So when the article was written, we wrote the article. We didn't put the name in there because he said he wanted to do that off the record because they all went out aiming. So we didn't do that. They didn't even read the article. Somebody read it, I guess, and somebody saw the title or whatever and said, they dissing you. Talk about us. And we like we dissing you, the whole web box and socials, which wasn't true at all. Because even in the article, we put the quote what was said, and then we was like, no, well, that wasn't the case. You know, this happened, this happened. We defended them in the article. They didn't even read it. They never read it and wanted it taken down. Some they didn't even read. They wanted it taken down. So I wasn't going to take it down. Sean was the one, you know, he lives out there. So, you know, he know. So I said, you know, for your sake, Sean, I'll take it down. So we took it down. Then they wanted to know who was the fighter that said it. They were like, we don't want to be in here training with a guy who's stabbing us in the back. And I'm like, well, you don't have to worry about it. You don't really see it, so. 
Sean ended up telling him, I was like, Sean, go ahead and tell him, it don't make a difference. So they told him, they was like, nah, that's it, now y'all cut off, we ain't dealing with y'all no more. He's like, what? So they cut Sean off, blocked him from coming to the Plex gym, all kind of nonsense that we're doing. So I called, I called uh, Jamal personally. Jamal, Jamal, and forgot Jamal first. Yeah. Then I talked to Jamal. And Jamal was training for his title fight. So he was like, man, my brother, you know, he's just uptight. You know, he getting ready for his first title fight. You know, and I explained it to Jamel, who's the one that's supposed to be the, the comment was made about. And he was calm. You know, Jamal, he's just a little hard-headed. You can't really talk to him. So Jamel, I talked to him. Everything was good. Me and Jamel had a great conversation. So he's like, there's no problems, nothing. So it was all good. And he understood my point. He heard me. Me and Jamal, we didn't have that conversation. He thought he could just talk to me any old kind of way, and I wasn't going to ride. Then he realized that wasn't happening. He was like, yo, man, just leave my, lose my number. I'm like, no prop. Because I ain't talking to you no more, but you ain't going to talk to me like that. So we him went back and forth in a very negative way, and <clears throat> we had an understanding. <laughs> like, dude, you ain't, I ain't no media guy that you could just tell what to do with. No, that ain't going to happen. So after that, he realized, like, oh, okay, this going not going my way. I got to get off the phone. So that's when Jamal got off. And then when I talked to Jamal, things was great. So when they saw Sean, they saw him. It was all love. Then they went behind. See, Jamal started. He's the type that got to follow his brother. He's like, man, that's my brother. I got to support him. He's my twin brother. So, you know. You know, if I'm with him, you know, I ain't gonna, you know, I ain't gonna say nothing. But when I'm not around him, I'm gonna be like, cool. And I'm like, dude, stay with your brother. Don't come, you know, you ain't gotta come do it for our benefit. Believe me, that don't do nothing for me. <laughs> Faking like you're cool with me don't do nothing for me. Stay with your brother. If your brother got attitude, stay with him. Cause that's your family. So everything was cool. I had no problem with that. And Sean was like, yeah, man, he came and talked to me. Jamal still got an attitude. He's going to walk past me and all this stuff. But he's like, Jamal came up, talked, you know, and everything. It was all good. Then Jamal had to go and do something stupid. And went behind our bed talking like, yeah, man, he's, man they, we tired of saying the Charlos, this, we got showtime. We don't need them. We bigger than them. We don't need them. And, all that. and I'm like, wow. Man, we stars, man, out here and all this stuff, man. You know, we had to cut them off because they hate it. They just loyal. And all this talk he doing behind the scenes and didn't know it. Then he seeing us right after he just hugged Sean. Like, hey, oh, man, we love you, man. All that video stuff you did for us, man. We loved you, man. You know, we still got love for you, man. This is all good. Man, just give my brother some time. He'll be all right. And he, this is like right after he was doing this behind oh, our back. Damn. Right, just right after. I'm like, dude, you just said this like 10 seconds ago and didn't know we knew. And that's the thing. He like, because he don't know like why he getting blown up so much now. I'm like, dude, do you know we killed the article that even when we weren't dealing with them, we buried the article because uh, Sam Watson and the Watson brothers, he had a fight coming up. And I'm like, dog, your baby mama left you and went out of town and had to relocate, and she might have brain damage because of domestic abuse by you. I buried that article, didn't even write about it, nothing. Let it go. 
was like, I'll let it go. I didn't say nothing about it and just let it ride. And I told Sam, I'm like, Sam, I ain't gonna write it up. I ain't gonna do nothing else. And I'm quite sure they, everybody else was told the same thing. I'm like, I'm not even gonna do that. And I don't even like the kid. But I ain't gonna try to destroy him with this. I'll let y'all handle it in the in the legal manner. And then the dude's still talking about us. So I said, you know what? Fine. Now I'm going to screw it. I'm, I, I'm a ladies, lace these dudes every time. The whole world finna know now. This was years ago. <laughs> like This like six, seven years ago now. That's why I'm like, I, I wasn't even talking about it at first. Now I'm like, now? Okay. <laughs> now I got to cut you. <laughs> so that's how the situation went with them. I wouldn't even, I had abandoned it. I had abandoned it. Everybody want to talk slick. So now I'm like, it, it's going to be known. Y'all all going to be grouped together. So you, you can all hate together. Get in one big pile. Because I already know what happened to you. I saw Arislandi Laura beat the snot out of both of y'all by himself training. Y'all was his sparring partners. And he used to just tear y'all up with one hand. I'm like, oh my gosh. Laura used to treat them like babies. Yeah, that's why. That's why now Jamal talking about fighting him now. I mean Jamal, cause he ain't been with him. I'm like, you could have been for Laura. You been love Ronnie Shields, cause you was like Ronnie, man. He don't even training me right. Ronnie ain't training you right. He trying to train you to survive, cause <laughs> because you ain't gonna make it fighting these wolves. Mm. When you fight Tony Harrison, I say he can't beat Tony. He can't outbox Tony Harrison. He's in trouble. So I knew that right away. Then he got the water bottle controversy with this new thing. I'm like, what the hell was that about? I had to interview the commissioner. And the commissioner, you know, he been his pockets was laced. All he coming in there, he 100% sure about something he wasn't there for. I'm like, you were not there. You didn't see anything. Well, that's what my deputy told me. Of course he going to tell you that. What are you going to say? He screwed up. I know if I'm at work, I ain't going to tell my boss I screwed up something. Then it's, it's not showing there's a screw up. <laughs> but they don't have no two different water bottles in a in a corner. Two different new bottles. What's up, Mr. Sledge? Mr. Sledge just showed up. He on that graveyard shit. He supposed to have one water bottle? Yeah, he's supposed to have one. They give you 30 bottles. You ain't going to run out of 30 bottles of water in <laughs> a fight. You can fight three fights and won't lose that. <laughs> no 30 bottles of water. They switched up the water bottles, man. My man came in with a squeeze bottle in like the middle of the rounds and then switched back to the water. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's in that water bottle? And then you win by a knockout on Tony Harrison after that? Yeah, it's going to be controversy. So if I'm Tony Harrison and I interviewed the commissioner, he said that there's no law saying that they got to inform the other corner of what's going on in the other corner. I'm like, dude, if you make a, a rule saying that you've been approved something in the other corner, the other team should know about it. Why wouldn't that not be a rule? He was like, yeah, now after this, we might have to make that a rule. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's going to have to be a rule. That's too much. You leaving a, a, a whole loophole for somebody to come in and cheat. Oh, man. Because wow. I watched the fight again, and you could see Jamal Jamel was so tired early, he was swinging for the fences. And I was wondering, like, why is he swinging? So he ain't trying to save nothing. He's just swinging for the fences. 
Like, he was just swinging heavy all four rounds because he knew he was going to get a boost. Somewhere in that fight, he was going to get a boost and get his energy back. So that's why he's swinging for the fences. So I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And you know who they didn't fool? Tony Harrison. Once he saw the fight again when he got home and watched it again, he was, saw that, it was all over. Now the whole, now every fight he fight, everybody going to be watching this corner. Mm. And I'm like, Jamal, when you going to fight a real fight? <laughs> he been at middleweight. Who's he fought at middleweight? He been at middleweight for like, what, four years? He fought one guy who can barely okay. walk. His last fight, the last fight he had that was real is when he fought my man, uh, J-Rock. And he beat J-Rock. That was the only real fight he had since he been there. He got beat up the same night his brother got beat up. And the guy was the tune-up fight. You talking about the run? Huh? That big old uh, show, showcase with that Russian dude? Yeah, the guy who been off for like three years and came in there and was whooping him like he was an amateur. Well, that was, that was supposed to be the night they supposed to shine and then they freaking lost the fight. Everybody, people was like, man, this dude ain't that good. <laughs> They, they eye candy. That's what they call in boxing. Eye candy. When they look like they like they the part, like man, they look like they supposed to be dominating the whole sport. But when they when you see them, they don't do. They're like, man, why they don't perform the way they should? You know, like what's happening here? They eye candy. No, knowing these kids and knowing how they are and the attitudes and everything about them. They care more about being famous and stars and all that stuff more than being world champions. They work. They put the work in, but they just don't they haven't been taught right. And when you not when you haven't been taught right and you just got all these family members that's just patting you on the back, like, yeah, way to go, and you winning off athleticism. When you face people who are really skilled, that's why they placing them in the fights that they are. Because if he fought Andrade, Andrade would, would beat both of them. They can't beat Andrade. So that fight ain't gonna kick off. But if they did fight, Andrade would beat both of them. And that's that's what I'm saying. Jamal and Jamel, whatever, they can fight them on the same night. Like I'm saying, like he said, the Charcoal Brothers. The Charcoal Brothers are getting, <laughs> get towed up. They get smoked, just like Charcoal. Oh, wow. That's what I'm saying. They ain't gonna fight no real fight. They trying to build them up to make a pay-per-view fight with these twins. And that's what Showtime is building them up for. I'm like, dude, y'all just, the only attraction about y'all is that it's two of you. And y'all look identical. That's it. That's it. That's the only drawing power y'all have is that you're twins. That's why Showtime's got to sell it. They don't want to interview one without the other. You guys are twins. And they want to put you both fighting on the same card and promote that. And, hey, that's y'all brand. Run with it. But to me... You gotta prove it, Bama. <laughs> you gotta prove you, it. You know, you know, my favorite fight is right now. Uh, Who? Arthur Benavidez. Uh, you mean David Benavidez? Uh, Arthur Benavidez. Oh, better be uh, Arthur Benavidez. Uh, for one hundred seventy-five pound champion. Yeah, better be. He's he's all right. You know, I, I mean, he's he, he's good. But he's beatable. 
I think he's very beatable. I mean, he fights. It's more of a power game with him. He's got a little boxing to him. It's more of a power game with him. A little, lot of holes. I don't know how many guys can really exploit him at this point, but David Benavidez, that guy could beat a lot of people. So if he goes up and wait and take out them, you know, I can see that happening. Because David Benavidez is too big for a lot of these guys, and he's he's very fast to be as big as he is. Because his father was a third degree black belt and taught these taught his kids martial arts both when they were born. So. They have been rooted in martial arts and and being athletic. And David was always the big guy, but he was always fast to be that big and for his size. Because he he sand soft sand since he's been four or five years old. So they didn't they didn't have a choice. Their dad is probably would whoop every trainer in boxing. <laughs> he's a very dangerous man. <laughs> They father's day trainer, and I was like, man, he looked like he's younger than all of them. He's like, dude, who is this dude? I'm like, that's their dad. He's a third degree black belt. Don't even think. Go running up on him. <laughs> I saw this dude in a in a tournament breaking bricks, boards. I'm like, you don't want to mess with that dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he's something else. He's the real serious guy, you know, and. The Benavides made it to be tough. That's why Jose was never a punk. But his knee is shot. He can't really do too much, put too much weight on that knee no more. Uh, somebody shot him, you know, in the knee. You know, some type of altercation. Nobody know the full story to that. I know Caleb Plant gonna win me my money, and I'm sorry, Chris Carson from Robodo Radio. When that fight happened, you gonna see what's gonna happen <laughs> to, to Caleb Plant. He gonna be planted right there, face first on that canvas. And about round seven, eight, Caleb Plant gonna be laying face down on that canvas. <laughs> Caleb Plant—he's another one, another one of these. I don't know what's up with the PBC, man, and they plans, but they get a lot of these guys, man, that's just good eye candy. They have the good story. and But I give Caleb Plant one thing. He worked really hard and on, you know, his game and everything, but his conditioning is not all the way there. Because I didn't think he was going to beat the Colombian guy at all. Caleb Plant. Yeah, he won that fight. That shocked me. Yeah. When he won the fight. He like a black fighter. Well, he hung out with a bunch of blacks in his area. You know, he, he was trained by some brothers. So that's where he came up. You know, and he's dating his sister. The dog on ring lady. She messed up her career dating him, but go on here, sister. Do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, Caleb Plant, it, it, it's not like I don't like him. They were saying he's the new white Floyd Mayweather. I've heard that a thousand times when he was coming up. Because he's used to show the role from time to time. But he's another one of these eye candy guys that's not really stepping up and fighting nobody. And David Ben Peter Bigger has called him out on it. David called him out like, dude, you ain't fought nobody. Now, here's the thing with this lock, what this lockout does. It's like hitting the reset button. Everybody's rested now. Mm -hmm. Every 
everybody that had the same time off. So everybody who had injuries in boxing and all that stuff, you had time to heal. You had time to get ready. You had time to get right. So everybody that had a break, the same amount of time, everybody been out of the ring. All them fights are canceled. Nobody ain't been in no fights. Everybody been sitting at home resting or training at home. So now everybody can start here from scratch. Everybody's starting from zero. So can nobody say, man, I just had a fight the other week. I'm, you know, maybe in a couple of months. No, everybody can fight now. So ain't no excuses why somebody got to do, like, oh, I can't fight because I just did this fight. Everybody's at zero right now. We all in day zero when they open up again. Everybody going to be at day zero. That's going to be day one. And when that starts in boxing, we going to see where everybody going to be at now because they ain't going to have no excuses not to fight. None of them. They have no excuses not to fight. So, yeah, man. What up, man? They finna get ready to cut me off. So, it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy Carcino saying thank you guys, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast Carcino for Life, and also do not forget to join the Patreon, the Carcino for Life Patreon. It is unbelievable. It is eye-opening, and it's revealing a world of you that has been masked. Plus, you know, saying a bunch of naked women don't hurt. <laughs> I'm out.